0: On this 30th Sunday in ordinary time, we notice that as our liturgical year draws to a close, just four weeks until Advent folks, Jesus' words become more intense as if to say, listen up people, time is short. We might reasonably think the urgency is growing because the church selects Jesus' gospel readings at this time of year, that presents Jesus' teaching just before he enters Jerusalem to undergo his passion and death. Today, forces against him continue to gather. This morning, we hear that the Pharisees are picking a fight with Jesus. Picking a fight? How? On the surface, their question seems polite. And appropriate enough. But let's take a deeper look. First we note that they call Jesus teacher. Aren't they being respectful? Well let's ask ourselves haven't we all been approached by that certain kind of salesperson or some other service provider who just oozed fake politeness in including the plastic smile that left us feeling a little contaminated. We can assume the Pharisee's teacher was meant to disarm Jesus, to prompt him to lower his guard, to allow a sudden ambush. And then they pose the question, which commandment in the law is the greatest? If we could see their faces, we'd see the gotcha expression because they asked the one question that they believed had no answer. For we remember there were over 600 commandments in their ancient Jewish tradition and even more importantly, God, in their view, gave them all. So since God gave them Aren't they all equally important? Yep, gotcha, was what they were thinking. Let's pause here a minute. What were all those 600 plus commandments like? Well, we heard three examples in our first reading from Exodus, where along with Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all these commandments are recorded What did we hear this morning? You shall not molest or oppress an alien, number one. Number two, you shall not wrong any widow or orphan. And number three, you shall not act like an extortionist when you loan money to a poor neighbor. The Torah, the first five books of our Bible, are filled with the commandments including the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. Some of the commandments from God had to do with ritual sacrifices of animals in the temple and no longer apply to us today. But the rest? God doesn't change his mind. Even today, we are held to the three we heard this morning, and they, along with others, form the foundation of Catholic social justice teaching. So getting back to our gospel, how did Jesus answer? Jesus evaded the trap set by the Pharisees by quoting the first line of the Shema, a prayer that Jews in his day treasured and even today holds a place of preeminent, preeminence in the hearts of observant Jews. The first line of the Shema. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. This is repeated throughout their prayer services. It is said in the morning blessings, in the Musaf Amidah, which is a prayer for peace and blessing in the Sabbath service on holidays and when the Torah is taken out of the Ark to be proclaimed. It's said as part of their deathbed confessional and at various other times. Jesus as a Jew was intimately familiar with this prayer and after all he was there with God the Father and the Holy Spirit when they whispered it into Moses' ears a thousand years before. And then Jesus, a definite overachiever, gives the second greatest commandment, that is, love your your neighbor as yourself. But when we stop and think about it, don't those two not only summarize, but underpin all the commandments, if I love God and if I love my neighbor, I will observe all those laws in the first reading and all the other laws in the Bible, including the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments. Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and us an important lesson. Love comes first. And that always implies a choice. We can't assume that all the Pharisees were the same way any more than we can lump all Catholics together. But some of those Pharisees emphasized keeping the law strictly because it was the right thing to do. Pray a morning offering, check. Contribute the temple tax, check. Don't have a shrimp dinner, check. Wash your hands before eating, check. And on and on, shifting their focus to compulsive completion of the daily spiritual checklist and distancing themselves from the love of God and accepting his love. We could follow that Pharisee example perspective, or we could choose to first love God. And then our adherence to his teaching just flows from the love which surpasses any effort or any perseverance that we could personally muster. But what does that kind of love look like? How do we do it? Isn't, it isn't the kind of love that I personally have for coffee, as strong as that emotion is for me. Or it isn't the kind of love I have for taking long walks, especially on fall days. It, this isn't the kind of love like I had for the girl I wanted to marry. It, isn't, it is an unconditional love a deep, abiding, never-ending, self-sacrificial love that endures no matter what. I don't know about you, but I first experienced that kind of love as a child. I freely admit I was one of those kids who stressed and pushed their parents to the very limit and then just a little bit further. I remember hearing on some occasions, Ricky, I love you and I always will, but right now I don't like you very much. What did I hear? I heard I was loved even as I was learning the boundaries of acceptable human behavior. That unconditional love helps me pay attention to the rumble-strip sun along the road toward adulthood so I didn't veer off into the ditch. That's the love we are called to have for everyone, no matter their political party, their inexcusable moral positions, or anything else. The church teaches us that Jesus makes charity the new commandment. And that word charity comes from the Latin word caritatis, that was used to translate the New Testament Greek word, agape, to indicate that unconditional love. The practice of all the virtues, the church says, is animated and inspired by charity which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The church says this charity upholds and purifies our ability and raises our love to the supernatural perfection of divine love. Think of it. If you and I each let that kind of love rule our lives, If each believer in every church here in Jackson, in the state, in the country, in the world, does the same, how different the world would be. But it begins with me, and it begins with you. Let us each of us encourage and support each other as we make the words of an old song our community's guiding path where charity and love prevail, there God is ever found. Brought here together by Christ's love, by love are we thus bound. Forgive we now each other's faults and as we our faults confess, and let us love each other well in Christian holiness.